0: Any news today, Tito, at all? (laughs) Dang, Rosie. (laughs) That's your job. This is the Rosie Report. The next round's on Rosie, and we'll read his credit card number here just a moment. Regular season roundup. Catch it, Rosie.
1: Nicely done, Rosebud. Now, here's Jim Rosenhaus.
0: sometimes the weekends don't go quite the way you hope, and for the Indians, that was the case this past weekend at home against the Astros as Houston came in and swept a four-game series that started on Thursday night, winning the finale in extra innings on Sunday by a final score of 4-3. to three. Jim Rosenhouse, along with you, it's the weekend wrap-up edition of the Rosie Report regular season roundup, episode number 53. And if you play the numbers game with us, We are up to a higher number now, but currently being worn by Blake Parker and some 53s in the past, Melky Cabrera. Rafael Perez, remember him? Really good lefty reliever for quite some time. And going back a little bit further to those great ball clubs in the 90s, Paul Shuey wore number 53 as well for the Tribe. Well, coming up on our show today, we'll hear from Mike Chernoff, some really good stuff just about the draft and and also Uh, Some of the challenges facing the Indians front office right now to try and field a competitive ball club in the face of some serious injury issues that they've been trying to deal with and a a really challenging schedule right now. But first, let's check in with Terry Francona, who spoke after the game on Sunday, the extra inning contest. And uh, here are Tito's thoughts about uh, the loss to Houston
1: and the weekend. Tito, what what'd you think of Kyle today in the start? I thought he was terrific. I really do. He... He held his stuff the entire game. Um, he, he pitched really, really well. I mean, and he needed to because their guy was kind of putting on a clinic on how you pitch. And then he just, you know, he got that ball. He was trying to go down and away and it went, went up and away. And it cost him two at the end there. And that was a shame because he really did a good job. You mentioned that about Grinke. Just... What stands out to you guys that he's able to do at this age, 18 years in, to do this to multiple teams? Changing speeds and commands everything he throws. He just has command of everything. And even though he's not lighting up the radar gun, kind of like he used to, he still changes speeds. with. It's, it's, it's very impressive. What do you think of Ernie Clement's play defensively today at third? That was, a, that was one of the better plays you're ever going to see. And... He had a couple tough plays today, and uh, he, he, did, he did a good job over there. I know Berto got the bunt down earlier in the game to help you guys get the offense going. Was that on his own in the extra innings? No, he actually bunted on his own earlier, and then that one we were going to bunt probably for one strike and try to bring the infield in, and if he gets okay. it down good, if he doesn't, we probably would have let him hit. Was Jose available to run and only run late in the game? Was that the case? Yeah, he was going to run for Birdo if he got on. And then we would put Hedges in the game.
0: That's Tribe manager Terry Francona after Sunday's extra inning defeat to Houston. Earlier in the weekend, we had a chance to visit with Tribe general manager Mike Chernoff and uh, talk about some of the issues ahead for the team. The draft is coming up. The trade deadline is coming up at the end of July. And uh, Mike spoke about some of the challenges right now facing the front office in putting together a a competitive ball club in the
2: face of some serious challenges. That's not overstating it, uh, judging by the amount of time that we've been spending in Tito's office. Um, You know, last year I felt like we were really hands-on. We had to be with all the protocols and stuff. This year, protocols we're all good with. It is about putting the roster together and figuring out how we fight through the injuries that we've had, and you know we've got a really young team, the youngest team in baseball. So every night it feels like there's either a move or the potential for a move to make sure we have enough guys ready in the bullpen. We can get through games that are you know some of our position players have been banged up. Um, so trying to figure out which depth guys we can bring up, who's on a ten-day recall issue in in the minor leagues that we can't bring up, um, and just trying to put the pieces together each night. It seemed like a injuries were on the radar for everybody they weren't
0: sure what this season was going to look like coming off a 60 game season a year ago has it surprised you even though you may have felt that there might be some issues that seemingly
2: every team in baseball is going through some serious stuff yeah you're seeing injuries definitely spike again we saw it last year for every other team except us basically we really got through um healthy last year this year, the first month or two, we felt really good about where we were health-wise, and then I, you know, maybe halfway through, the second month of the season, we started to have some of these injuries happen. Um, and I do, I think it had, you know, I'm sure it's related to guys only playing 60 games last year. It's hard to think that it's not. Although at the same time, we've had a bunch of kind of what we would call acute or traumatic injuries, where, uh, you know, Zach with his finger or a guy gets hit by a pitch or something like that. Um, But a lot of teams are battling through it. Unfortunately, they have stacked up for us at the same time with a lot of guys out, um, and that makes it really hard when you have so many young players and so many depth players that you're relying on all at the same time. So we're, we're trying to do everything that we can to put the right team together, but it's definitely a challenging situation. So here you
0: are in that month of the trade deadline. And normally at this time, maybe not normally, but a lot of years, you kind of know what you're going to do. You might be sellers, you might be buyers. But it seems like that's a really difficult decision at this point in time. And and where
2: do you stand on that right now? That's a good question, Rosie. (laughs) Um, You know, we are engaging with teams. That always happens. Right when you hit end of June um, beginning of July you start to engage with teams and I do think you see in today's world a lot of teams kind of riding the fence and looking to potentially make moves in both directions or at least assess the situation in both directions Um, so I don't know that a lot of teams have committed to what their direction is unless they're way out or way in right now It gives us some time you know trades don't usually get made until much closer to the deadline so we need to continue to assess where we are and what we think the best best path forward is at the same time we always need to be opportunistic and thinking about kind of threading the needle i mean we've done that in past years even when we've been in the race We've been able to manage trades where we trade a guy off our major league team and bring other guys in at a different spot. So we're going to be open-minded to just about anything. Um, but you're right, you know. There's, no, there's not any one clear direction that we can take right now, and we have to at least be open-minded. And it seems like with each passing
0: year, uh, teams are – it's harder for them to part with prospects. So if, if you're looking uh, to work with somebody either way, Uh, Maybe they're looking at some of yours and then you don't want to part with them or or, or vice versa. And and are you seeing that as the prospect much more valued at, at this point in time, maybe than it was 10 years ago?
2: Certainly than it was 10 years ago. I mean, the trades that we made 10 or 15 years ago, you were thinking about a guy in the last year of his deal or the second to last year of his deal and getting a team's top, absolute top prospects. And it seemed like front offices were willing to do that because they wanted to win in that year. With the way the game has shifted, it's, a, it's really a, a young player's game now. So I think teams are very reluctant to trade their top prospects because they know that a year or two later, that guy may be carrying their major league team. Um, you've seen us take a little bit of a different strategy, right? Even when we've traded some of our veteran players, we've kind of spread it out. So you don't always get a team's top one or two guys because they're unwilling to trade them. But you can get what we would call a bulk deal, right? In our deal with San Diego or even the Mets, we're getting four, five, six players back. So I think there are ways to sort of build the value, but teams are extremely reluctant to, to trade the top one or two guys in their system for sure. Stay tuned. We'll
0: have more with Mike Chernoff after this short break. Welcome back to Indians warm-up. Mike Chernoff, Indians GM, joining us. And so here it is. You have the, the trade deadline at the end of the month. And, oh, by the way, the draft is thrown right in the middle. Uh, for those who, who maybe follow it casually, how different is the draft this year because of the timing and also the amount of rounds?
2: Well, our families are not very happy about it. They they put the draft this year at the same time as the All-Star break. So typically that's kind of the one week that we get to um, have a little bit of downtime before the trade deadline. This year that's not happening. Um, it definitely it, it makes it a little bit more challenging. I think as a front office, um, we have a lot of the same people involved in amateur acquisitions as pro acquisitions. And so the group that is locked in on the draft is also trying to do work at the same time on trade deadline acquisitions. That makes it really hard, right? And we have to figure out a way to get through it. Um, I do think you see the volume of calls right now is probably a little bit lower than it has been in the past. Usually, as soon as the draft hit is over with, calls really pick up on trades late June early July this year those calls are still happening but it's maybe a little bit less engagement probably because teams are still locked in on the draft so it definitely creates an interesting dynamic the good news is every team has to deal with it so it's not like any one team is at an advantage or disadvantage on it two years ago the draft was
0: 40 rounds last year is five this year is 20 uh, how does that impact what you do and an uh, and advantage, disadvantage for an organization like the Indians?
2: Yeah, so it, it is down to 20 this year, and like you said, it was five last year. Because it was five last year, there's a lot of round, you know, theoretical round six through 20 guys that didn't sign last year that will now be available in this year's draft. So I think we feel, and we're seeing it as we evaluate guys, that there's a really good chunk of players kind of post-round five that I think it's a much stronger class than you would typically see in that 6 to 20 range because of that, because you basically have two classes worth of players. I think that's going to create some interesting dynamics for teams. Um, It also potentially, because we pick a little bit later in the draft, we pick 23rd, it maybe gives us some advantage over what we would have in previous years where – Really, you're putting a lot of eggs in that first basket of your number one pick. And the later you pick, the less value you get. Now, hopefully, we can supplement that value a little bit deeper in the draft um, and still feel like we're getting really good players. So the, that inter, uh, not international slot, but that slotting uh, money and all that kind of stuff still coming into play? It absolutely does. And there's a, you know there's a strategy component to that where you're thinking about how do you spread that money out? You obviously get the picks that you have, but how do you potentially spread that money out to get the players that you want? Glad to see it's a nice uh, quiet time of year for you, Mike. Uh, my goodness gracious, it has been something else. And, and we're only halfway through the season, almost. Thanks for reminding me of that, Rosie. Yeah, no, You know what? It's exciting, though. These are opportunities to see a young team on the field and also opportunities to acquire, hopefully, some really good players, both in the draft and potentially at the deadline. So it as hard as it is and as grueling as it can be, it's a fun opportunity and chance for us. That's
0: Indians General Manager Mike Chernoff. Always great to get the good perspectives from Mike about the ball club and uh, various things going on, and uh, certainly a lot going on here in the month of July. And it continues with a three-game series in St. Pete against the Rays that starts on Monday night, a 7-10 first pitch from Tropicana Field, and we'll have it for you starting with the Union Home Mortgage Indians warm-up show at 635. As always, thanks to Bart Swain, Courtbury Trip, Austin Contrullis for their help in putting together our show each weekday. Until next time, this is Jim Rosenhouse reminding you that you've been listening and we thank you for listening and downloading the Rosie Report.
1: This has been the Rosie Report.